and welcome back to another episode of Working Wife Happy Life. I have to admit, it has been a bit of an overwhelming week. Last night, I had a complete meltdown, like when you find that one random thing to channel all of your anger and sadness into, and it makes no sense to anyone around you, and they have no idea what that straw is that is just the last one that you could take. So for me, it was the dishes, and when I was unloading the dishwasher, and so many of the dishes still were dirty or had food caked on them, and I just completely lost it. I was putting the quote-unquote clean dishes back in the sink so I could wash them again, and I threw one into the sink, and it cracked, and it was so cathartic. I mean, my mood completely dumbfounded my family, and it was such an outsized reaction but it was so hard to control. And I think we all just have to recognize and admit to one another that there is just so much going on. There's the the macro view of what's happening in the world that you know few, if any of us, can make any sense out of. And then there's the micro view of what's happening inside your home and, and with your family. And sometimes it's just too much. And sometimes you're okay. And honestly, it's anyone's guess which way I'll feel at any given time. So if you're like me and a working parent, no one understands our needs more than this week's guest, Sarah Luxley. Sarah is the founder of Minder, which is known as the TED Talks of Parenting. And I met Sarah a few years ago, and since then I have been infinitely impressed by her drive and her humanity and the community that she's built with Minder, as well as the impact she's driving with her partnerships with some major companies to discuss what is often a taboo topic in the workplace of parenting. She's inspirational, she's extremely pragmatic, and I can't think of a better time to have her connect with our community than right now. So please enjoy my conversation with Sarah. Honestly, I'm so excited that we're doing this. Welcome to Working Wife Happy Life podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this has been in the works since our our stars crossed maybe a year and a half or two years ago um, from an article. You reached out to me um, just kind of seeing that we both have this passion-driven movement in similar spaces, and we seemed kind of destined to collide. That's right. I had read an article of yours in Refinery29 about dad's blaming um, <laughs> and, uh, and stalked you on Instagram and then reached out. And it was such a great uh, reminder that we should all be so bold as to reach out to the other women that we admire because, uh, you know, we tend to all be looking out for each other and look how many wonderful collaborations we've managed to get under our belt since then. So true. And even so many that have been moved off or postponed temporarily given the current state of affairs of the world. But it is, it's, it's, um, how I meet so many people is through that outreach. And it feels like it's, it's an interesting take on like a cold call or what we knew of a cold call before, because you can now learn so much more about people and their missions and their work and their efforts 
And so you just feel like you find these people along the journey and you're certainly one of those people for me. So I'm so happy to have you here and introduce you to our community. Um, If they don't know Sarah yet, she is a force in (laughs) ensuring that companies and you know, even entire industries are thinking about working parents and how to support them better. Um, and I'm certain you could share in more eloquent terms a little bit more about Minder, if you would, what your mission is, um, why you started it, how it came to be. It's such a great story. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so Minder is a workforce development initiative. Uh, we work with companies across all sorts of industries to help them figure out how to build a workplace that really works for women and parents. Um, and we've been on a bit of a journey since I founded Minder about four years ago. Um, in its very first iteration, it was quite different. I had just graduated from my master's. Um, as you can hear, I'm not originally uh, from New York. I came here from Australia in order to do a Master's of Public Administration. Had these incredible two years at Columbia where I was learning from thought leaders from all over the world. I was connecting with like-minded peers. I was, you know, being tapped to to think about some of the world's biggest problems and um, people really cared about my opinion on those issues. And uh, then very, very shortly after graduating, I had my daughter, Ella, And just like that, my whole world changed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, six weeks after graduating, I had a little baby girl and I was singing a lot of the wheels on the bus go round and round (laughs) and I was playing with lots of very colourful blocks. But the vast majority of the conversations I was having uh, with the people that I was meeting uh, were about nursery rhymes and diaper brands and nap schedules. And I really missed that experience that I just had of connecting with other people about everything that drives us intellectually, professionally, civically. Um, and so the very first events that Minder ever ran uh, was that I started bringing my Columbia professors out to cafes in Brooklyn to give talks on all sorts of things from politics to entrepreneurship um, in an environment where crying babies were welcome. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and this was just something that had never been done before to have a a large group of parents with little ones, you know, screaming or or laughing or eating or nursing um, while the parents were talking about issues that really mattered to them um, and and connecting over that and building that community. And so once that ball got rolling, it really snowballed pretty quickly. Um, They started calling us the TED Talks of the parenting world, which was pretty cool. Um, We uh, took 600 new mums and their babies to the United Nations on International Women's Day the following year uh, for the first baby-friendly event in UN history which was quite a sight to behold, as I'm sure you can can only imagine. Um, And and we had, you know, some of the most senior leaders of the United Nations on the panel that day talking about why this was so important to bring new mothers to the table um, and to take them seriously and to and to open that inclusivity by saying, hey, you know, you've got a screaming baby. That doesn't mean that what's going on in your brilliant mind doesn't matter. We really need that in our collective decision making at the United Nations and in the world at large. Um, here, here. And, right. And so um, you can probably imagine the the type of community that comes together around 
these kinds of initiatives. We very quickly attracted some really amazing young people who had been, you know, pushing and, uh, you know, meeting very large ambitions in their careers who now also had a young family and were trying to figure out how to put all that together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kept hearing from our community um, over and over again that the biggest uh, pain point for them as a parent was actually at work um, because they really, you know, valued their careers and their progression and they wanted to keep advancing and meeting their fullest potential, but they were really struggling to do that when they also, you know, cared a lot about about their families and, and you know, being present for, for what was going on at home. Um, and so we really followed our community into the workplace um, and and followed that that grassroots need of people saying there has to be some sort of bridge between the experience of the working parent and the understanding of the company um, when really all of our interests are aligned. We all want every employee to have the infrastructure for success there so that they can perform for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there has traditionally been a bit of a breakdown in understanding around like what actually matters to working parents what's actually going to drive behavior and make them better able to perform to engage and to stay in the long term Uh, and really that has become our main focus we now work with companies uh, like Facebook um, and uh, Amazon and Microsoft Uh, we we've had some great events Google, some of my favorite visuals uh, ever are of, you know, the kiddos that we brought into the Google office to talk about yeah. women breadwinning. Um, we work still with um, many parts of the United Nations and also uh, with NASA, helping them figure out how at the cutting edge of, of STEM research and advancement, we can really ensure that women and parents are set up to thrive. Um, and it's it's been enormously fulfilling Um in, in no small part because this is an area where you really get to see changes pretty quickly. You know, we don't have to wait to see the impact of this work because if we're running workshops for parents around how to, you know, build their toolkit for success, you see immediate advancement and, and improvement in, in people's work life situation. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're consulting to HR teams who want to better understand how to make more women and more parents stay within the organization, again, these are areas where satisfaction levels and and behavioral changes can be seen pretty quickly. And so it's been very motivating to be able to see that impact. Um, and certainly now more than ever, as you know, we're recording this in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, we, I've I've been blown away at the extent of the interest and desire and commitment on behalf of companies to figuring out how to be there for their people um, mm-hmm. during this time. And you know, whereas initially I was really concerned, we. I'd worked for years to build this company um, with so much momentum and traction. And then here's this massive curveball no one could have seen coming. And I didn't know what it was going to mean for us. Um, And actually, very quickly, it became evident that uh, this, you know, 
uh, effort to build community for people and to give them the expertise they need that they really need not just that looks good when you check a box but but the, right. the, the 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 tools that they really need in order to succeed at work and at home um, are really more relevant now than ever now that we are all kind of trying to grapple to to do our jobs and be there for our families and stay somewhat sane during these <laughs> challenging times. Somewhat being the operative word. Right, exactly. So yeah. so, so it's well, been it's, it's been I think what's interesting. interesting about it is is, you know, there's so many um obviously horrific uh realities of this crisis, but I think there's a lot of benefits as well and the fact that it has universally forced uh, those of us who can work from home to work from home um, and including all of the leadership of those companies where this can be supported to understand differently a, a bit about how, you know, families are juggling to make it all work together. Um, there's obviously the added complexity of homeschooling, which is not something any of us had prepared for. Um, but I think what's happening is there is this like great neutralizer of, oh, wow, everyone's getting interrupted on their work calls. Everyone's having to juggle, uh, you know, getting the kids set up with homeschooling before they can actually start their day. Every, everyone's kind of in this same boat. Um, and I think there's something really eye opening about that, where we've kind of been on this treadmill of just building our lifestyle. And now we're all able to say, okay, maybe there's a different way to do this where I don't know if there could have been a greater forcing function, particularly when we talk about flexibility and understanding. And, and what I love about the story, the way that you started Minder is you, it was born out of something that I think a lot of new moms struggle with, uh, new parents definitely. And, and certainly new moms, um, where, you just feel like your life has this before and after and it does in the most beautiful of ways. But when you're talking about mentally stimulating, meaningful conversation, there is a very long period after childbirth where you feel like that is just a thing of the past and you feel like you're not able to exercise those muscles or engage in those conversations. In many ways, people don't engage in those conversations with you and it can be really isolating and really frustrating um, but I think so many women try to divide themselves both, you know, from nurturing and their intellectual capacity, uh, between work and home life. And like, I think that's actually been a bit of the downfall is trying to be really prescriptive about this division versus saying it all can flow together. Is that like, is that aligned with what your mission is and, and kind of hopefully the writing you see on the wall from this pandemic? So it's interesting, you know, as I mentioned before, the the initial tagline of Minder was crying babies welcome, right? Like mm -hmm. there was this concept. There may even be some on this call at some point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, living living our truth. Um, that there was this concept and which has continued to drive everything we do in the business that your home self and your work self do not need to be two separate people. By all means, if you are the kind of person who prefers to compartmentalize and that works for you, that's great. But but that if you're not and if in fact your day works better and your work is better and your your home life is better if you are able to flex a little 
more gracefully between the two to bring a little of work home and to bring a little of home into the workplace with you. Um, we've, we've been very committed to opening up ways to do that. And so, for example, having a baby-friendly event at the UN or at NASA or, or at Google um, has been one of the ways to kind of crack that, that uh, window mm-hmm. open a little. Certainly from that perspective, I think there will be some interesting changes coming out of this time uh, because, as you say, we we are all in this same boat now. There are very few people who don't have some increased blending of their work and home lives just by virtue of the fact that, that you know, our homes have become our offices for the time being. Um, and that will have some really positive effects and it will have some potentially troubling effects that I think we'll need to keep an eye on. Um, you know, the, the positive effects, I think, we're seeing that it's possible. I mean, certainly, as you say, the, the, the closure of schools and daycares takes this to a completely different place mm-hmm. from, from regular work from home. But we're seeing that people are remaining productive. They are getting, you know, getting work done, getting their jobs done, maybe not in exactly the same way as before, but, you know, the wheels are continuing to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, deadlines are continuing to be met. Teams are continuing to function. And that's the case even with a kid in the frame on Zoom or, right. you know, or with someone having to say, hey, listen, from 5 p.m. till 7 p.m. I'm going to have to be out of pocket, but I'll be able to jump on that call after my kids are asleep. Those conversations are becoming much more common now out of necessity. And I, I think that's that's something that will stay with us in a positive way. Um, the, the potential detriment that I see happening here and something that I think we're going to have to really pay close attention to is that, you know, as we've said, these are not normal instances of working from home. Mm-hmm. So if you are in reality only able to produce 50% of your regular output because you are also a teacher and a, you know, a, a, and a housekeeper and um, a, a chef. caretaker <laughs> and a chef and you are doing all of those jobs at once and that has some inevitable impact on your work product I would hate for that to be taken as a cue that people who work from home are less productive yeah it's no it's going to be noisy data um for the companies that are assessing this because I know you know a lot of companies are looking closely at this um there's obviously cost efficiencies to a remote workforce uh there's cultural risk to a remote workforce um there's a lot of things to weigh, but productivity as a factor is uh, a dangerous one. It could be tremendously helpful to say, hey, on top of all this, we still got 50% productivity. Exactly. That's like, exactly that's right. amazing. That's that's amazing. And it also means when we think about what could work from home look like without all of this disruption, well, actually, if we take away most of the, you know, sticking points for people that made this really challenging, we could keep all of those benefits that we're seeing. We could cut down on some commute times. We could give new parents an ability to be present with their kids more often than before and still continue to produce as we've now learned is possible. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that could be really interesting and definitely an area where more data is going to be more helpful um, as, as we understand more about this time. 
Yeah. What what are you hearing from your community in terms of some of the the struggles that they've been uh, confronting with the work from home scenario and some ways that you've been looking to address that for your community? So I think one of the major sources uh, of of people's challenges right now is around communication. So, you know, we we are all in this together in a sense in that everyone's got something going on at home, whether it's kids or roommates or pets or, you know, maybe relatives who are unfortunately unwell um, or even or alone away or alone. Um, and, and that's another one is that we've had a lot of people saying, you know, I'm hearing a lot about about all the people having to multitask, but actually I am I live alone and I I am dealing with this whole other suite of issues of, you know, all the lost camaraderie that I had from the office, which is now gone. So everyone's got something going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real challenge, I think, for a lot of people is around how do you communicate that? How do you communicate what your new normal needs to look like in order for you to be in a good place without sounding like you are asking for accommodations at a challenging time or um, or like you're less committed to your job because you're flagging issues. And, and you know, ironically, these are discussions that working parents have been having for eons. You mm-hmm. know, how, how do I talk to my manager about the fact that I want to do school pickup every day? Or how, how am I going to, you know, vie for that promotion when I'm not prepared to travel as much as the previous person in that senior role has? So in some ways, working parenthood has really prepared us to be leaders um, for the broader working community at this time, you know, for, for all those people with all those different iterations of new need that are trying to figure out how do I talk to my manager about what life looks like now and how I can best set myself up and my team up to succeed here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way we're really trying to help with that is twofold. Um, one is by way of uh, training. So whether that's in the form of workshops that we run with companies providing remote work readiness and success training. Um, we have a white paper um, that will we'll probably have come out by the time this aired uh, around best practices for working from home, you know, during this pandemic and beyond. Um, so, so one is expertise uh, and the other is community um, because at the end of the day, you know, what connects us more than situations of adversity? The, the mm-hmm. fact that we are all going through this at the same time is both one of the scariest things about this crisis but also, you know, one of its greatest silver linings in that there is this basis of understanding of each other's experience now that we might not have had before and so finding you know for us it's been about finding ways to connect people and to give them that sense of community and camaraderie and collegiality at a time when they're not seeing each other's faces in the office um and and really proxying for that online and I think that's not as easy as saying hey we're gonna have a zoom call that's going to be a happy hour and you know hopefully that'll make us feel a bit better um although that's a great start and everybody should do that Um, (laughs) sometimes they don't make you feel better sometimes it's just yeah it's really challenging and sometimes it's kind of sad to to think this is the way that we engage now but 
we've we've really been putting thought into how do we take all our years of experience facilitating community in a room together where we've brought people together um, and apply that in the online space and and create uh, a as as close of a of, of a feeling of interconnectedness as we previously could in person but doing that online but b what is it about the online space that actually is a leg up on what we were able to achieve for people before so just to give Mm -hmm. you a very small example you know there are very few people um especially for women in male-dominated industries or new parents in very high um ambition high performing industries there are very few of us who don't have one or two kind of heroes um, either within our organization or within our industry or just in our network who we've always thought like if only I could sit down for 30 minutes with that person and just figure out what makes them tick and how they've achieved what they've achieved and ask them some questions or maybe come with a more specific ask you know for some some way that they could help me achieve what I want to do there are very few of us that haven't had that thought Usually in the day-to-day when we're all slammed trying to get everything done, um, it's, it's really intimidating and, and frankly might not be possible to get that person to sit down with you physically in a room. Now, though, that we're all starved for social interaction, Mm -hmm. there's this window of opportunity where for you to say to somebody, hey, Bethany, like I've so admired the way you've built um, Working Wife, Happy Life or Breadwinning Women of Google, you're tapping into something that I've always wanted to uh, be a part of. Could I, can we have a Zoom coffee for like 25 minutes? You pick the time, I'll be there so that I can ask you some questions and and so that we can, you know, build, build a relationship um, for for us to learn from each other. That's a much easier yes now. So Mm -hmm. You know, we're really trying to think, A, how do we proxy for physical proximity? But then B, how do we pull out some of the silver linings of this situation of all of us being at home uh, to advance, further advance women and parents um, through through those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, and you're speaking exactly to my arc of, you know, having started the podcast before the pandemic hit. And, you know, thinking about, you know, what is what are the next few months of this going to look like? And then the crisis hit and I feel like everything was spinning and I took a couple week hiatus and I didn't know what it looked like moving forward because I was so and particularly something that you're running on your own pretty much so that you're not, you know, when you have a team or you have leaders who are telling you certain roadmaps, certain steps, um, I didn't have any I, I didn't have to do it. I didn't have anyone saying this is how you could do it. I had to reimagine it for myself and I had to find the value for it again and the value for um, me and for the listeners and for the guests. And what I found is obviously there's so many topics that are now top of mind that were top of mind for many of us before, but are now being, you know, really amplified and accelerated. Um, but also this idea of, of reimagining what things we're going to be into what things are and how you kind of pivot into that and just, and, and find the passion, but also making new connections. You know, you and I have been friends for a while, but making new connections for guests on the podcast and everyone's been eager to find the time because they see the importance in these types of topics. So it's a great reminder to people that, you know, this is not a time to kind of 
isolate and, and internalize uh, from a network perspective or from a community perspective because there's it just looks different, but you can do it and you can maybe do it even more easily now. That's right. And, you know, I, I um, always remember uh, the words of uh, my, I, I had an amazing social enterprise professor when I was in grad school who used to start every class by saying, the, the, the social enterprises that really make an impact are the ones that are led by the problem. And mm. those that are led by the solution are doomed to fail. She would repeat this every time we sat down for a class together. And I think it's so true and it's so relevant here. If you've been led by a solution, well, hey, look, your solution might not work in the reality that we have at the very least for the rest of this year. Let's not speculate about what the future will bring, you know, once this all settles down, who knows. But, for, uh, you know, take take my example. The vast majority of what we were doing as of February 2020 was bringing 100-plus people together in a room. That was just mm-hmm. the main form of our solution. And if you're led by your solution and your circumstances change, well, you're, you're, you're hitting a brick wall. I think if you're led by the problem that you're solving for, which in our case is building a workplace that works for women and parents, then it becomes much easier to adapt and to think about, okay, maybe I need to meet these needs in a slightly different way. Um, But so long as I'm continuously guided by that mission and by everything that I've learned by the skills, that the hard, tangible skills and expertise that I've built through my delivery of the solution, um, then, then the change doesn't, A, doesn't seem as hard, but also it doesn't detract from from what you're trying to achieve. It only it only right. adds to it. So for us, for example, we're c- going to come out of this with a reality where now we are by necessity very adept at delivering remote programming, at building communities from a distance, at making people looking at a screen feel like they're in a room together. And those are, you know, those are skills that we've needed to build for a really long time. We didn't do it because it wasn't a priority because we're a very lean team and the in-person yep. events were going great. But now we have this whole extra layer of expertise enabling us to deliver our solutions and, and solve our problem even better than ever before. Um, so, you know, it's hard. I love time. that framing too. It's just such a great, it's such a great reminder to course correct as you're going down the path of development of just, you know, are we, are we being led by the solution or the problem? Right. And, and that's not to say you can't try things that are a little further afield from what you envisage. Like for example, many of our clients who have built out um, large programs with us for women and for parents start to ask us about other areas of diversity and inclusion in their firms. So, um, for example, we've got some great programming coming up for Pride 2020, which, you know, wasn't initially one of our main focus areas, but um, we it fits with all of our values and our mission and the way that we um, help to build a diverse and inclusive workplace and it works. Um, Every time we have a new opportunity like that, we do make sure to measure it against those key objectives, the problem that we're solving for and think like, is this something that is going to help me continue to build out that mission? Sometimes it's a clear yes, sometimes it's a clear no, and sometimes it's like let's try it once and make sure mm-hmm. that we evaluate it and 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 decide as a team that yes, indeed, it did continue to to push us in the right direction, and then it just becomes part of the furniture and part of the way you do business. 
Yeah. You, I mean, you've worked with some incredible companies as we've been discussing. How, how did that come to be? Cause I, those are names that I'm sure any starting business, you know, and in many ways they're progressive names in the market where you would think that they, you know, potentially either had this licked or had their own programming. How did you find ways to engage with such uh, critical partnerships? Well, I think one important element is that I have no shame. <laughs> I am happy to knock on anybody's door to write I an see email why we found to, each other. <laughs> to write an email to anybody in the world who I think might be interested in what we're doing. Um, and and really, that's that's I think Im- an important part of any entrepreneurial journey, right? Is just being able to take the risk of being ignored or being laughed at or being told no and just going for it um Mm -hmm. and you know so for example our very first collaboration with the united nations i literally i had this crazy idea about like what if we did a massive event at the un and we brought the babies but then we also had sister events all around the world because the UN is everywhere and they brought their babies and suddenly like all the mums in the world were going to be meeting on the same day talking about creating a better workplace for for working parents um you know just small small objectives start small Um, you know just test and then iterate (laughs) and I and I had this crazy idea I called it the world's biggest mama meetup um mama because I'm Australian and we say mum and you guys say mom and so I just wanted to keep everybody brought it together Um, and and I cold called I mean I I found the right person at the UN who I thought could make it happen based on her role and projects she'd been involved in in the past and then I got every single person I could find who had any sort of connection to her to recommend me to send my name her way to you know ask her if she'd met me yet and and it worked and we got together her name is Chrisula Winnegar she is one of the people I admire most in the world um and we met and she heard me out about this crazy idea and she said hey yeah let's you know we can make this happen let's let's give it a shot and that it's not to say there weren't challenges along the way. I mean, bring 300 babies through UN security. Um, I can't even. That, that's but, like, like every airport line times a thousand. Times a thousand. But we had, you know, an unprecedented experience at UNHQ here in New York. We had women in Nigeria, in China, in, you know, Russia, um, getting together all on the same day, having meetups that were a part of this event, which would, never would have happened without that first knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of it is just being prepared to be knocked back, um, mm-hmm. to, to think big and to, and to just give it a shot. And, and sometimes the answer will be yes. Um, I think another factor is that these are truly issues all of us face. Like, Tell me a company that doesn't have leaders at every level who are trying to figure out how to be a parent or a woman in a male-dominated field and continue to thrive at work. Mm -hmm. Like we all face this. It doesn't matter how experienced you are, how many people work for you. 
And if you don't have a family, there's always something. There's, there's, there's something, something that's something yeah important to you that drives you and none of us have figured out how to make it all fit together. And so that's been another element here of the success of this initiative, I think, is that, you know, when I am shameless and knock on someone's door, what I'm talking about really tends to resonate with mm-hmm. them. Um, and so, you know, NASA, for example, this was a similar a, a similar situation where we'd seen that NASA had done a couple of, of, of um, great things that indicated they were starting to really think seriously about um, this issue of empowering women and parents there. You know, this uh, last year was the, the time when um, we had the first all-female spacewalk. There was a lot of discussion in the media about yeah, having enough spacesuits for women, you know, these were real, or at least ones that fit, or at least ones that fit exactly. And and so again, I found somebody who I thought um, might be in a position to really bring this together, and I reached out to her, Susan Shu, another one of my my world's most favorite people. Love her. Um, and and said, hey, like, why don't we why don't we help you launch the Parents Initiative at NASA? We've done this with so many other companies. You know, have us come in and 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 help you figure out how to get this done. And um, she was delighted and her team was delighted. And um, Bethany, you and I went to Houston together to Yes, we to, did. Right? To talk to talk to the astronauts and to start help NASA start on a path with their uh, Johnson Space Center parenting group. And so again, I think if you're driven by the problem, in this case, the problem facing working parents in 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 fields that are not yet set up for them to succeed as well as they you know have the potential to if you're driven by that problem and it's a grassroots problem and it's a problem that everybody experiences and you're prepared to put yourself out there and your problem is one that resonates with the people that you're you know reaching out to then I think it it almost feels inevitable at some point right That, that that there has to be traction and we've been very lucky to 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 see that traction and um and and to have the the trust of our partners who, you know who are prepared to say hey we've seen what you've done before we're prepared to give you a shot with this new idea that you have let's see how it goes and that's that's really how we've been able to build from very small or single initiatives even if they're not small um, to more ongoing engagement to really help move the needle for companies on the experience of women and parents among their ranks. Yeah, and I would guess that now even more so, particularly as we start thinking about globally as this reentry and what does it look like, um, particularly in the concentrated metropolitan areas, that this is going to be even more top of mind. And and I just wanted to share one really poignant moment from our visit to NASA, because it's still one of my top five favorite days of my life. Um, <laughs> Likewise. It's, um, you know, aside from obviously my wedding and my children being born and my dog and all that stuff, but um, <laughs> just have to, you know, cross all my T's and dot on my I's there. But All disclaimers noted. Exactly. <laughs> Love you, mom. Um, so, One thing that really stuck out to me, we had a male panelist who was an astronaut join us, and he was so thrilled to participate and to be a part of that day. And he shared that no one had ever asked him before about his experience as 
you know, a professional and an astronaut and a dad. Um, and that is an inequity that I think a lot of fathers face. Um, we see it as working women on the other side where there's a lot of inequities we face. Um, but I do think that fathers do get the short end of this assumption that they don't want to have that balance and they don't want to have that involvement or level of involvement with their children, or they don't want to be asked about their parenting struggles. Um, and I really think it's important to engage that community for them as well. Um, because while we know there's a lot more default work that does happen to fall to mothers just from, a you know, generations of expectations, which we're working to unwind. Um, but you know, dads, like they get the short end a bit, right? Absolutely. I agree with you there. And, you know, I think when we talk about the importance of community for dads, even more so than for mums, there has been no community of fellow fathers who are struggling with the same issues. There are just not forums for them to talk about how they make things work as a working parent. It, it hasn't tended to be on the agenda in the places where professional males gather. Um, and so that's one area where we, you know, where, where women with children have certainly had a higher level of support is in in the mum groups in mm -hmm. you know in in on on the online mum forums and the mummy and me music classes where 98% of everybody is a mother um it can be really hard to break in if you're a dad who is taking a more hands-on role and at work, if you want to put your hand up and say, hey, I would really like to actually take the parental leave that is in the policy that is currently just kind of ignored, or I, I, I want to leave at, at five o'clock every day so that I can be there to pick up my kids, that has been often an even harder conversation for men to have because of these assumptions that right. th these, are, these are tasks that the woman will pick up. And something interesting in our programming is that, you know, we have a, a program that we run called the Mind a Work-Life Lab, which is uh, a, a short, like by design, it's a short program for a small number of people within the company where we basically are able to get a cross-section of experiences of uh, employees at different levels of expertise um, and, and in different parts of the business and understand their needs as working parents and where the company is doing really well and where there is room for improvement. Um, and initially we found that uh, everybody in those programs was women. Um, when we started to actively reach out to men within the companies to be a part of this kind of programming, we had an overwhelming amount of interest from dads okay who, again, like you say, Rex Walheim at NASA had said, like, I've never been asked about this. This was a very similar reaction that we've got. Like, hey, I've really been struggling because I never get to see my kids and I just don't know how to break this cycle. Please include me in this program. I would really love to talk about this, was a very common response. Um, now we have it so that when we run the Mind a Work Life Lab, we always do a 50-50 split of attendees. Um, so we have... 50% women and 50% men to ensure that we're getting a cross-section of experiences um, and that we're really able to, to meet people's needs on both those fronts. And, of course, 
the more we're able to empower men to step up at home and to you know to to shoulder some of the unpaid care work that goes on that now is very visible for all of us to see as yes. we're all working from home the yep. more you know the more women have options to decide to what extent they want to be the one in charge of all of those deci- you know those decisions or to what extent they want to adjust uh, the split in their household. So everybody. I, say, I also think it's a critical time for those negotiations to start, right? Like, cause we're all now again, the great neutralizer, we're all here. We're all wiping down the counters. We're all folding laundry. We're all doing the cooking. We're all doing the school. Like everyone's doing everything now. So the division of labor now, as we re-enter, can, can be really, uh, well negotiated. I, I, I hope, um, One thing that I was thinking about, and I'm curious if this has come up in your community, and I'm certain it has in the past, but I know in my experience, uh, family planning is so stressful for working women for when do I time this pregnancy or, you know, if you're struggling with fertility, all the appointments and stuff and, and the, you know, the, the drugs and everything that can put your body through, um, It's also a shame that, you know, it's not a shame. It's a fact that women can only hide their pregnancy for so long. Whereas men, it could be the day before their wife goes into labor and they're like, oh, I'm having a baby. Or three months later. Right. And so how, Jesus. (laughs) We've seen it happen. How many, you know, of, of these women now, it's interesting to me as I'm watching you on our screen, which our listeners won't see us, uh, lucky for them with my hair today, but I only see you from the chest up. Mm-hmm. So if you were expecting or you were hiding a bump, I would have no idea. And what does that mean moving forward with a remote workforce in terms of opportunities, assignments, et cetera, women can potentially not have to reveal such a personal thing in a professional way as early, which could have a negative impact on them. But again, I, I don't think it's something they should be ashamed of sharing. Um, but it, it does have this other neutralizing factor of taking away the the visual of, God, I have to tell them I'm pregnant soon. When am I going to do it? Um, has that come up in your community, like before the crisis in terms of, of a stressor for working parents? I mean, certainly this idea of, you know, before you have kids, if this is something that you're planning for or thinking about or even just suspect may be a part of your future, as a high-performing young person in the workplace, there are really very few places to go to have those conversations. And so one way that we've really tried to address that at Minder is that we, even if we have events that are clearly about the experience of parenthood, we really encourage that all of the messaging within the firm um, emphasize that this is an event for everybody. And to mm-hmm. give you an example, you know, we ran an amazing uh, series with Facebook through the whole of last year in many different cities um, called Mothers as Leaders in the Advertising Industry. It's something that we're, you know, that is is currently on on hold um, while we're all sheltering in place, but we'll continue when, when we eventually go back. Um, that, that brings together leading women in advertising and their clients to 
to share about the experience of being a mother in a field that is not necessarily set up for for women with children to succeed and how we as a community can really prepare for and and, and springboard that success. Um, and we've, even though, you know, it says so on the box, mothers as leaders in the advertising industry, this is about mothers, but we really emphasize that everybody should attend. The women on the panel will be mothers the experiences will be, you know, about um, managing kids in this field, but we really encourage everybody to come. And something that we have found that is so interesting is that our most impassioned responses to this content almost always have come from younger women within the firm who don't have kids, who are just so moved and inspired and excited by mm. the fact that the women above them, that they can see, you know, the women who they want to be one day are prepared to get up on a stage and say, you know what, I haven't figured it out, but it's really important to me that we continue to figure this out together. And and we will. Um, and And so we have, you know, women come up at the end of every one of those events and say like I've just my mind is blown because I've never talked about this before and I feel now like I have the opportunity to really strategize in a way in the way that I would about anything in my you know at work mm-hmm. um to actually strategize and to and to have a have a community of leaders to reach out to for guidance and like I won't have to be reinventing the wheel and it's so important because if you are thinking about these issues for the first time with a screaming newborn in your face you're not going to be making the best decisions yeah Um, so what a powerful thing to be able to bring women into the fold and men um who are you know who who are starting to engage with these questions before they're immediately urgent for them and Um, yeah that is that preparedness of this conversation and of these these challenges is so important particularly if you are say also one of the first in your friend group that's had a child um it can be tremendously isolating so i think kind of having that roadmap having that path kind of breaking down the sheen of Oh, these people have it all figured out. You know, I can't, I can't stand that assumption because fucking nobody does. <laughs> nobody <laughs> has it figured out. None of us do. And, you know, for, for HR teams, it's an interesting opportunity because these are issues that are very difficult for them to ask about. It's hard for them to say, Hey, like we want young people within the company who are thinking about building a family to have a way to ask us questions about how to make that all work it's it's very hard to create a an open vulnerable um vehicle for that kind of conversation whereas suddenly if you're doing that as part of a community if you're just being open and welcoming to everybody you're putting this on everybody's agenda then you really are able to open up that opportunity for people and so, yeah. so we've been excited about that. But the other part of your question about what shows in the frame, I think is an interesting one. Um, you know, it's true. I hadn't really thought about that, that you can't, you can't see the bump in the frame. Um, and, and there will, there will definitely be um, some implications of that for, for women who are expecting during this time. Um, I, I think probably the even more impactful element will be what does show in the frame and what we are prepared to show in the frame 
um, and the messaging that that will have even as we do go back to work. So, for example, at the beginning of every workshop, every remote workshop I have run since the beginning of this period of, of, of work from home for people, um, I say, if you have a kid, if you have a pet, if you have a roommate who's sitting like just beyond your computer listening but but scared to, to participate, um, whatever is going on in your home, feel welcome to have it in your frame, in your little Zoom box. Um, this is a place that is open to all of that. If you are feeding your kids dinner while you are engaging in this workshop, just do that. Don't worry about it. Don't hide it. Don't switch your video off, stay engaged mm. and have that be in the frame um, because then you're able to participate so you win and everybody else gets to see you being a real human being who has other things going on so yeah. we all win and we, we start to normalise really the, the quintessential minder idea which is that we can be parents and we can be brilliant professionals all at the same time. And the fact that I'm feeding my kid dinner in the frame doesn't take away from the value of the contribution that I'm making when I'm talking um, or, or, or the, the extent to which I'm able to take in and think about and, and build on what I'm hearing. And so I think that might have a very lasting impact beyond, you know, the COVID-19 crisis as, as, as we eventually, whenever it may be, start to to rebuild some sense of of normalcy, what might last in a really positive way is that opening up of the frame and thinking about like you, Bethany, as a professional, you don't just come with your professional accolades, though there be many, and you don't just come with your CV, you come with all of your life experiences that have contributed to the way you think about problems and the way you you approach solutions and the way you communicate and the way you build a, a, a group of people around you. All of those experiences are part of what makes you successful. And the more that we can see that in a time like this, the more we'll be, able, we'll be prepared to engage with each other on that more holistic basis. And I think then some of these challenges facing working parents and working women uh, will become a little easier to tackle going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's such a beautiful uh, concept and visual of it's less about what's out of the frame and more about what's in the frame. And, and it really does speak volumes to the work that you do. Um, just to, to wrap up, if I'm a listener and I'm not familiar with the Minder community, uh, how can I get involved? Where can I find you? Uh, what are some key resources? Absolutely. So the first is you should follow us on Instagram. We are at MinderNYC, M-I-N-D-R-N-Y-C. Um, most of our of our um, online public community building goes on there, and so we'd love to have you there. Um, we are still figuring out what community events look like in 2020, um, but there are some coming and they'll be announced there. Um, if you are somebody who's working at a place that could use some help with these things, I mean, we'd love to hear from you too. Um, my email address is sarah at mindaglobal.com, S-A-R-A-H at M-I-N-D-R global.com. Uh, we want to hear from everyone. It doesn't matter who you are within a company. We, you know, want to hear from you and your experience and what it's like being a, a woman at your workplace, a parent at your workplace and where you think um, this kind of work can help. Uh, we love having those conversations. 
Um, we also, as I mentioned, have put out a white paper on best practices for working from home during this time, uh, bringing together expertise from Nobel laureates and business leaders and just some of the greatest minds in this space, as well as our broader minder community, um, which we hope will be a really useful resource for people as they try to tackle the, you know, the very many issues of, of working from home in 2020 and also the transition back when Whenever that may be. So you can find that at mindaglobal.com forward slash white paper. Um, and otherwise, uh, we hope to see you on a screen or in person sometime soon. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much for all the work that you do and all the efforts that you've spearheaded and for making the time during this crazy time to join us on Working Wife Happy Life. Oh, it's wonderful to talk to you as always, Bethany. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. And please leave a review to give us direct feedback and also to get the podcast in front of more eyes. It's very much appreciated. Do I keep my own mind?